0: Having is evidence of wanting. This axiom can be a bit of a shocking and uncomfortable idea, especially if you've had hardships in your life in the past or present. It can be very jarring to consider those as something that you wanted. But again, it's not the conscious part of us that wants difficulties or negative patterns. It's the unconscious part of us, the daimonic part. The part of us that we don't usually identify with, but that nevertheless strongly impacts our experience. Having is evidence of wanting is another way of phrasing the pithy quote that we previously read from the old wizard Carl Jung. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Jung explained throughout his work that your unconscious is the fertile, receptive, magically efficacious part of you. The unconscious is generative because the emotions, symbols, and attitudes within it create the synchronicities or meaningful coincidences that shape your experience. Whatever desires are in your unconscious will be born, will happen, and the results of those desires will seem to come toward you from some unfathomable outside agency. In other words, fate. The good news is when you do the uncomfortable work of making these strong unconscious desire curiosities conscious by giving them a vast taboo level of approval, they lose their fateful power to fuck with you. So the purpose of the axiom having is evidence of wanting is not at all to blame anyone or to shame them for their experience. You're so horrible, you wanted this. As shame and blame are highly, highly counterproductive in integration work as the more you shame something, the more unconscious it will become. But rather, the purpose of the axiom is to serve as an excavation tool, so that you can gently and humorously begin digging for the unconscious desire curiosities that shape your experience, and, in a way, become massively empowered to own those desires with a deep sense of sovereignty and agency, and to thereby positively change our experience. Because most of us human beings have many negative unconscious desires, when most beginning magicians try their hands at manifestation, they may think it doesn't work because we don't get what our conscious mind wants or because we get something that resembles what we thought we wanted, but it turns out to kind of suck. That's the sort of big bummer that can be very confusing and that causes many would-be magicians to just give up and decide it's all a bunch of nonsense. But here's the kicker. Even the most amateur form of magic, or half-assed attempt at fulfilling a goal, always works perfectly to bring us what our being actually most deeply wants. That is, what our unconscious wants. And since we're always doing magic accidentally, all of the time anyways, it's an excellent idea to do magic deliberately, so that you can become more aware and in control of the process of desiring and receiving. So I invite you to consider the idea that any current situations in your life, especially those situations that tend to recur over and over again in an annoying pattern, in other words, you can only seem to bring in a certain amount of money each month, you can only seem to attract the same kind of less-than-awesome partner, you feel repeatedly betrayed by friends, etc., are the result of your already-always-happening accidental magic. And as such, they represent a beautiful fulfillment of a deep desire in your unconscious. Naturally, when I mention that having is evidence of wanting, folks are quick to bring up children stuck in devastated war zones or abusive situations and say, how can you say they wanted it? What kind of a horrible monster would dare suggest such a thing? Well, to this I say, first of all, It's not just our personal unconscious desires that affect the external situations in anyone's life. It's the collective unconscious desires. Here's a rule of thumb. If we're talking about an annoying pattern that seems to recur specifically to you, and you know a lot of other folks who are free of that particular pattern, chances are good that it's something that's being created specifically by your own personal unconscious. But if we're talking about endemic human problems like war, or racism, or child abuse, odds are it's more of a collective unconscious issue. So war and abuse and all the challenging stuff that transpires in the world result from millennia of unintegrated, repressed, denied shadow desires of individuals conglomerated into collective forces. Second of all, I don't think it's enormously far-fetched to imagine that some very brave and generous souls come into this world with a strong personal, unconscious desire to experience extreme hardships in childhood, perhaps from the ultimate purpose of making it conscious and healing it, and in that way, healing the collective. Third of all, even a child or person in a terrible situation generated by the collective can improve their situation through taking a magically efficacious approach to it. The attitudes of self-pity, hopelessness, resentment, bitterness, while very understandable and also fun and satisfying to indulge in, sometimes are, alas, not magically efficacious in creating happy synchronicities and outcomes. Finally, the most sure-fire way to help address the collective shadow is to do the work to become aware of and to integrate your own personal unconscious desires, and to help others who expressed a sincere interest to do the same. The brutal circumstances wrought by the collective are made up of unconscious individuals, so the more aware you personally become as an individual, the more you clean up your own influence on the collective. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. What you just heard was an excerpt from the book that we all, or not we all, but anyone who is a patron who decided to participate in our March Book Club It It is a book called Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. It was recommended by Lenore Black, who was on the podcast. Um, For those who don't know, when you join my Patreon community... At the $10 a month or up level, you get to participate in all sorts of stuff, including our book club. All of the books are chosen from recommendations from the guests that are on the show. So, kind of comes full circle in a way. Have guests on, they recommend a book, and then we read them together as a community. This last book was particularly moving and revelatory for me in a number of ways. Um, the ideas that Carolyn expressed were not necessarily... Is it weird that I'm referring to authors that I don't know by their first names? (laughs) Elliot. Um, The ideas that Elliot expressed um, were things that I was familiar with, but which she worded in such a way and um, which appeared in my life at such a time (laughs) that made it difficult for me to ignore. And It's been extremely instrumental for me in the past month to have read this book and to integrate these lessons into my life and to be honest with myself about the ways that I'm still operating subconsciously. Today on the podcast, I am bringing you a discussion that I had with Kevin Garcia, who is one of my favorite people. They were on the show way, way back in the day. So if you like what they have to say, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. I forget exactly what the number was, but I think it was like within the first 10, definitely within the first 15 or so. Um, So I wanted to have Kevin back because I know they've done a lot in their life since then, um, and it was really fun to reconnect, and I'm looking forward to seeing how we can collaborate and continue the conversation into the future. Although we may exist in different worlds, the sorts of Things that we want to see in the world are very similar, and I think we hold a lot of the same ideas about how the world works, particularly as it relates to growth and magic and spirituality, etc. And I wanted to read that passage today because I thought that it applied quite a bit to the conversation that we have in regard to what is magic, where does magic come from, is it from the outside, is it from the inside, how in control are we of of what our lives look like and, and what we've been handed I've talked about it a lot on the show before, but I think for me, the answer is that we have a lot more control than we realize. Um, and I think this is an ongoing realization. You know, I I did a lot of work um, a few years ago in therapy, just going through my own dark night. Um, and I think... Sometimes I've had the tendency, like, once I go through a big transition like that, which honestly hasn't happened that (laughs) that many times in my life, thank God, Um, but that kind of a traumatic traumatic transition, when I came out of that, it was like, oh, okay, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, sure, maybe there are some other things I need to deal with, but, like, the worst is over. And to some extent, the worst was over, but I think as we grow, we become more capable and more capable and more capable of exposing what's beneath the surface. In many ways, I was frustrated um, a few years ago when I'd finally gotten a divorce and finally was, you know, like uh, going out on my own and doing what I wanted to do. And I was so sick and I couldn't do anything. And I stayed in my house for two months, like practically feeling like I was dying. And at first that was incredibly frustrating because I didn't understand why the universe wasn't rewarding me for individuating and <laughs> making choices that were authentic to me. And soon what I realized was that the reason I was so sick at that point is that I was in a healing crisis and I had the time and the space and the security and the resources to heal. And so it came out then. And I've recognized that the same thing sort of continues to happen to me. Thank goodness, not at that high of a pitch for as long as it was going on back then um but even within the last month and really thanks to this book and the discussions that we had on zoom from the book club i really am grateful for everyone to come that came and shared their thoughts and the fact that we can all process this together and share our experiences is so incredibly invaluable and meaning meaningful to me invaluable that's not what i mean Um, so valuable that it cannot be assigned a price or, um, I can't even describe how valuable it is. Um, but I think this continues to happen to us. And I know I've been resistant to accept that sometimes. Um, and sometimes I need a little bit of a push to be like, Hey, you really need to confront this, uh, because it keeps happening. It keeps reappearing and, even though you think you've dealt with it, it keeps coming back and keeps coming back and clearly you haven't dealt with it. And I, I I know we think we resist this for several reasons. One, because we just don't want to engage in the pain or the grief of the thing, um, but also because I think to some extent we feel like we're a failure, but like, wait, I already did all of this work. Why is this still affecting me? Um, and so we just have these resistance to it, resistances to it. And Carolyn Elliott in the book um, talks about how you know, sometimes we might not want to confront what's in our subconscious because what that means when we do is that we level up. When something stops stops being a shadow, when something stops subconsciously or unconsciously controlling our lives, we gain more power. And I think a lot of us are quite afraid of our power, um, as per that Marianne Williamson quote that I've read a million times on the show, and um, which is expressed in ex- Existential Kink as well. We, we sometimes think that our capacity is actually going to be quite isolating and alienating, which it is, and it can be, and it is. Um, and uh, even though we might rationally understand, we should be moving past something or unpacking something or healing something. And even if we rationally understand, like, I don't want this thing in my life, it hurts, we still hold on to it because we're still afraid. And I know, and I'm sure many of you are as well perfectionists and overachievers, and you care deeply about yourself and your actions and the way that you move through the world. And it can be really hard to not just want to get it over with when we want to get it over with. I mean, I've truly been struggling with something that was sort of residually left (laughs) from all the main stuff I was dealing with for, I don't know, a year and a half. And, And I've been consistently dealing with it, and I've been consistently trying to understand it, and I've engaged in many different modalities to try to do so um and it really wasn't until recently that I finally feel like all these different things sort of came together at the same time in order for me to have that breakthrough of like, "Oh shit, I get it, I understand, and I think sometimes this can be achieved through you know, psychedelics. I think sometimes it can be achieved through therapy. I think sometimes it can be achieved through reading a book, but the point is it won't heal and we won't confront it until we're ready. And so the next time we get into a place of fuck, there's this problem or shit, I really should have dealt with this sooner or crap. Like I don't want to deal with this now to recognize that what the universe is handing you is actually like a platform on, on which to heal. You are now ready to do it. You now have the resources. You now have the safety. You have the structure. You have the understanding. And maybe it's just circumstantial, right? Like maybe maybe someone was out of your life for a really long time and you truly couldn't figure this out without having a conversation with them. And then finally they were ready to have a conversation with you and that was the missing piece to move forward. I really do believe that we have more control over our lives and our choices and the circumstances that surround us than we want to believe. But I also think we need to have some humility, and we need to trust the timing. And we need to not, as I often do, say, I fixed it. Okay, I got it. I figured it out. This is like my line. Um, Because I make one more realization, right? Or I I peel off one more layer of the onion. It's like, okay, that's the last layer. Somewhere I know it's not. Um, but I sort of celebrate too quickly. And then when it recurs, then I'm subjected to potentially like self-deprecation or feeling like a failure, like, Oh fuck, I said, I already dealt with this and it's still not dealt with. So I'm going to personally, my lesson after the past month is that I'm going to be more humble in that respect. And when I know that I haven't dealt with something, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't, and I'm going to express gratitude and understanding And reverence for however the universe chooses to expose something to me. Whatever timing is right for me to heal something. Just to wait and just to be open. And I think even if the problem isn't solved and even if we can't get to the bottom of it. This acknowledgement of that the reason it's there is because for some reason it's still playing a role. It's still doing something for us in some way. You know, I sort of think about this with these severe issues I faced with my skin a few years back. And I was so obsessed with healing this totally severe, awful acne that I had on my face. And it wasn't going away and it wasn't going away. And I had this moment once there was this woman who I'd met and we exchanged. I gave her an astrology reading and she gave me, I forget what it was, she was some sort of energy work or like craniosacral therapy or Reiki or something in between there. And we were talking about this issue and I really recognized in that moment that like I was so disconnected from my intuition and from my own self and my own needs and um, that those health issues were there because they were a sign of something that was wrong. So if I couldn't recognize it myself, my skin would be like, hey, this situation's not right. You're having a breakout because you're not happy. You're having a breakout because you're in a toxic situation or relationship or whatever it was. And that was a relief. It was a relief to finally stop fighting against myself. Um, I wish I'd learned that lesson (laughs) overall uh, because I think I continue to fight against myself in this way. We're so annoyed at the symptom that we don't realize that it's helping us, that it's our ally. We are at war against our bodies, against our psyches. You know, before, yes, I was at war with my body. Body, why are you doing this? Oh, you're my ally. You're trying to show me something. And then it switched to like psyche. Why are you doing this? All my rationality tells me that these emotions are irrational. (laughs) Why aren't you going away? but I think it was helping me and protecting me and trying to guide me somewhere and show me something. And yes, I wish I'd learned this lesson earlier on, but I'm grateful to be reminded of it again. And, and hopefully I've learned it this time. Um, but if I don't, so be it. (laughs) I'm not going to push. Um, but I do think the more times we something comes into our life, obviously, the easier it is to, to learn it. and maybe it just needs to happen again. It needs to play itself off out to, out, out to exhaustion until we finally it finally clicks and we're finally sick of it. Um, so I just wanted to read that passage because I do think that there is, at least for some of us a sort of self-defeatist attitude when we see something recurring like this. We feel that it's faded, we feel that we're cursed. And I think it's magical on both fronts to recognize that on some level we are capable of creating and manifesting so much more than we realize, even if what we're manifesting is something bad and something that hurts, that we have that power. And then if we can understand it and we can be honest with it, that we can turn that power into manifesting something we actually want. You know, this whole idea that you'll hear Kevin and I talk more about of, Like, where is God? Is God on the outside or on the inside? And and to me, it's both as above, so below. This is why I love astrology, because it's a mirror. What is up there is down here. What is outside of me is inside of me. These are concepts that take a long time (laughs) um, to learn and to really feel like you understand and come into control of. But... I am so grateful to have that knowledge in my life and have it be, and have myself be consistently reminded of it. Um, even if the way that I'm reminded of it is through not so pleasant situations. <laughs> so that's all for today. I'm going to let you listen to this conversation with Kevin Um, As per usual, if you would like to become more involved in the community of other listeners like you, there are so, so many options to do that. Um, Most of them are available through my Patreon, patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. As you may have noticed, I do not have ads on this podcast and plan to never have ads. I would like this project to be supported by all of you. I would like to only answer to all of you, and I would like all of the sort of benefits and perks that I create to be centered around you. Um, And so I plan to keep it that way, but in order for me to keep going with this, I need to make some degree of a living. Um, So if you have a few extra bucks to spare each month, I would highly um, appreciate the support. It allows me to continue doing this. Um, And plus, in exchange for your monthly donation, you get access to things like our community Discord server. I think there are about 65 or so people on there now. There may be more. I haven't checked in a few days. We have all sorts of topics that we discuss in different channels, psychology, astrology and tarot, sex and relationships, regenerative agriculture, gardening, food, art, literally you name it. You all have made the suggestions of the channels to create and I have listened and it's just been such a gift to see all of that come alive and see you guys meeting up with each other while you're on the road or sending each other art or letters Or support or recommendations for music. It's just so beautiful to see this community come alive in front of my eyes. It is truly the only reason (laughs) I did this. Because I was so desperate for this community when I was going through this hard time in my life. And I knew that I had the capacity to create a community that could help others. And so that's what I did. And it still blows my damn mind um, that it's happened. And it's happened so quickly in just two and a half years or so. And I know that we're only at the beginning, and I know COVID has made it even more difficult for us to meet up in person. So I know that's coming, and I know there are so, so, so many ways that we're all going to grow and journey together. And I cannot wait. So, the Discord server, as I mentioned, we have a book club. It normally happens quarterly. I think the next one's going to happen in May or June. And I don't know, I think I'll probably throw more books in than just the quarterly ones um, to have us read together because. Honestly, I don't want to read books alone anymore after doing this three or four times. Um, it's so cool to be able to, you know, I think all the time when we individually read a book, um, oftentimes like, you know, we learn a lot from it and it sort of hits us in a unique way depending on where we're at in our lives. And to be able to have all of that happen independently, but then come together as a collective and share those ideas among each other and learn from each other is like seven, eight, nine added bonuses on top. Um so I'm really into the book clubs, and I hope uh, you all who have participated have joined them as well. Um, and for those who would like to join, we would love to have you. I also release released patron-only playlists. We have two workshops coming up. These are opportunities that I give um, other patrons or former guests of the podcast spaces to teach the Patreon community anything that they have an expertise in. So my um, patron and friend, Eli Harrington... Harrigan. Sorry, Eli. I did that twice. <laughs> I've messed up Eli's name. <laughs> Eli Harrigan. Um, he is teaching us breath work on Sunday, April 11th at noon Pacific. Ian Wood is going to be teaching a workshop on how to become a more um, confident creator. Um, my friend Jenny is going to be teaching a workshop on the nodes if we're in astrology, the lunar nodes. That is not something I've announced yet, although I guess I just did. Um, that's going to be happening, I think, at the end of April. I haven't officially announced it, but there's lots of cool stuff. You can also get access to my three-hour astrology 101 workshop that I did a couple months back. Um, All of this information and more, all the stuff I forgot, t-shirts, stickers, etc. You can find all of it at patreon.com slash Anya Kotz. I am going to play you in today with a song that I just heard thanks to my friend Autumn who sent it to me. It is called um, Little Runaway and it's by Celeste. And I honestly had another song that I had chosen to play for this episode and then I heard this song and I just thought, Eh, I'm going to play this one instead. It just really spoke to me about, you know, losing faith and regaining faith and how this is a never-ending process. And although, as I explained, you know, I have done, and I'm sure we all have done so much work and we move forward and we grow so much and then we hit another wall and we have to sort of do the process again. But each time we do it, we build strength and we gain more insight. And most of all, I think we gain faith in the process itself. That even when we feel lost and even when we feel utterly alone and isolated and confused and totally out of control, that there is something grounding in either our inner knowing or that we are protected by the universe on the outside or both. And that we will get through it like we did before. And I definitely am, like, going through this the first time was so utterly horrifying and I feel so grateful, and so calm, and at least understanding the process. Doesn't mean I don't get frustrated. Doesn't mean I can't fix the problem. Doesn't mean I don't want to fix the problem quicker than it's being fixed. Doesn't mean I don't want to get to the bottom of something sooner than it's actually happening. But there is that underlying faith. I can always, always, always ground into that. So we will get lost again, and again, and again. But then we'll be found again, again, and again. I love you all madly. Catch you on the other side.
1: Dreaming of a life, everybody got something. Staring at the sky, I don't see nothing coming. Thinking of my prayers, maybe they were all misplaced.
0: This recording software has a countdown, which is, like, very dramatic it's very exciting. It's like, I'm like, oh,
2: okay. Rather than just being recording, it's just like, oh, I gotta, like, gotta Wait psych myself seconds. up for it.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm here with Kevin, who is returning to the podcast, and I'm super stoked about it. Um, I love the way Kevin thinks about things and talks about things and really embodies spirituality and... I just, your energy, I feel very aligned mm. with in a way. So always fucking cool to share space with you and have a conversation. Um, yeah,
2: I'm super glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. I always like coming back because that means now I'm friend of the pod.
0: Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Once you're back on the podcast
2: <laughs> for a second time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in the cool club. Um, so maybe briefly for those who didn't, I have a lot more listeners than I did a couple of years ago, basically when I launched this podcast. So if you want to just briefly introduce sure. yourself again, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. then maybe talk about since we last spoke, like what are the big things, the big, exciting things going
2: on mm. in your life? Ooh. Uh, hello. My name is Kevin Miguel Garcia. I am a digital pastor. I am a, uh, I call myself a spiritual reformation coach, which basically means I'm helping people rework their spiritual practices outside of strict Christianity. Um, I am a mystical, practical theologian. Um, I read tarot. I am very, very witchy. Some people call me a Christian. A lot of people don't. I don't really care what you call me. As long as you don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> um, I love dad jokes and stupid shit like that. And, um, yeah, I've been doing, a, I've been, a, I wrote a book called Bad Theology Kills. I think that came out after it we did, talked yeah. last, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yo. So-, so
2: yeah, since we talked last, I released a book. <laughs> yeah. And it's been a really cool to see how that has begun to make its way into the world and is continuing to find more people. Um, uh, I, my Patreon community is now a place where I'm actually like, not just like, it's not just a place for people to support the art or the podcast or like the creative issues or creative stuff I make, but I'm investing in that community and like making content specifically for people who are trying to like rework their spiritual life. Mm. And that is the greatest thing. Um, uh, I'm working on my second book right now. I graduated from seminary. Um, I have a dog now and um, and a new tattoo. I got a new tattoo. Sweet. Amazing. So that's, I think that's everything. I got a house too. <laughs> I live in a house now.
0: Oh, wow. Lots of changes. Um, Lots of
2: changes.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. All I,
2: in the past little bit.
0: Yeah. I know. Life has been. It's weird. I feel like since COVID, especially like it's so hard to plan things and everything's out of control. But I also feel like things are moving so quickly. It's like the timeline is like sped up somehow. It's just been. Oh, yeah.
2: For many things. Yeah. (laughs) It's like it's almost just like this. I, I feel like. You know, like, the cycles of my mood, just, like, they, they progress a lot quicker. I go from being, like, super on fire to, like, oh, I'm so tired and depressed, I can't do it. And then I'm back to normal. And then, <laughs> um, and I think that has a lot to do with just, like, not being around people. Not being able to, like, mark the seasons as with other, other folks. So, I am so excited yeah. to get my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> so, I'm ready for the world to yeah. open up in a big way.
0: Yeah, I am. I'm hungry for it, for sure. Um, mm. I feel like in observing you on my side of the table over the past couple of years, I also feel like you sort of like stepped into more mm. of a leadership role, I feel like, in mm. your own community, but just in general. And I think about this a lot because I'm, I think I'm the type of person that's always sort of fallen into those types of roles like if if you gather a group of people together I'm always like all right guys like let's get our shit together get organized like here's what we're gonna do um and later in life I've tried to approach that in more intentional ways and like make sure that I was being like a responsible leader and a fair leader and all that Mm. um so I'm sort of interested to hear what your journey has been with that especially as it relates to becoming like a spiritual leader, um, and if mm-hmm. you went, if you go through sort of periods or phases of imposter syndrome, and like how right. and where you kind of check yourself as far as mm-hmm. like with great power comes great responsibility goes.
2: Right. I I have well first I want to let's start with that first one. It's just like the the part about power and responsibility. Like even though it's Instagram, it's still. In some ways, a kind of power. And yeah. um, I try really, really, really hard not to be too much of an asshole on the Internet because um, people think that they're different from me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference is a follower count, to be honest, which is soundly, you know, it's easier said than done when from my perspective, I get that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I think that's what I want people to get. I'm just like your authority uh, as a person, as a human. Um, your worth, you know, get beyond this. Um, uh, I think in the way of like keeping responsibility and being able to be held, like I think responsibility is just like the, like the ability to respond. Right. And so if someone has something has beef with me or I've done something to harm somebody or hurt somebody, I would like to be the first person to know, Uh, if not the second or third person, or just, like, come to me with it. Like, just tell me so we can make it right. And if I've overstepped a boundary, then let's recognize where I did wrong and let me, uh, if you'd like, try to make amends for it. And if not, I will apologize when I need to, repent when I need to, make amends when I can. And I think at that point, the work then becomes releasing myself from guilt. It's just like, it's like not that I don't want to mess up is that I expect that when I do mess up, I will apologize. I'm not afraid of being wrong. And I think that's the, like the leadership of the church thus far has been very afraid. Like the church is afraid of being wrong. The church is wrong and it will not admit that it's wrong. A lot of Christian church leadership, I look like, and that inability to be wrong, that inability to not be the perfect cutty cookie cutter person mm-hmm. is what, what brings shame and when shame enters the picture, um, it distorts everything. I look at like what happens to like the Carl Lenses of the world, like, you know, mega church pastors being caught up in these big scandals where they're cheating on their wives and lying about who they are with their um, their girlfriends or whoever. And it's like, I don't think that's right, but I also understand why it happened. This guy had a desire that was unexpressed, a need that was left unmet because he didn't think he could ask for it. And therefore, he went out and got it anyways. And it's like, there's like, I'm not saying that it was right. I'm just saying that just like when you build a society, when you build a culture around a single person and you make that person an idol, everybody suffers, including that person. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's like I, um, I think when I was thinking this when I was graduating from uh, seminary last May, which is wild that it was literally just last May. What happened? You know, we all lost a year (laughs) of our life in a way. Um, I started taking myself seriously because I just thought like. I think really because I got really clear about the fact was like, I know what I want to do here on this plane now. I know what I'm here to do. And what I'm here to do is to help people recreate their spiritual practices so they can get over shame and get on with their lives. So that is I kind of just started focusing on that almost exclusively I just started talking about it um and uh I think that coupled with the book release kind of just like continued to usher people towards my platform and um it grew into a master class this past year where I basically I've been teaching people like my practice my personal practices like this is what works for me right let me let's try it out with you and let's also at the same time talk about what shame comes up when you do it let's talk about the pain that we've walked through. Let's talk about new ways of doing spirituality. So it's, I teach a lot of like, uh, teach a lot of people like how to read tarot and like how to use that as a, an intuitive tool. Mm -hmm. Um, I teach a lot of people, I teach meditation mainly, like and a specific kind of meditation that you can get really, really deep into yourself very quickly because I teach, uh, it's a form of like guided meditation that also involves hypnosis, like the Mm -hmm. use of, Uh, hypnosis techniques in order to deepen the meditation and allow yourself to get past your own ego and judgment into a place of peace.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's my hypothesis that if you can remember what peace feels like, you can always come back to it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And that's like pretty much all I care about. Um, you know, the sweetness of being in that presence, because in the, in that presence, I feel healed and whole. And I've been able to help take other people into that same kind of space within themselves um so yeah uh and I think the the reason like i'm not i feel i I like what I do, and i like I'm not afraid of messing up, you know, and it's like one of those things where like I tell people from the get go I'm just like, if you're expecting me to be your perfect guru, I want you to just go away right now. Like, if you expect me to not cancel last minute sometimes because I have, you know, you know, chronic depression that sometimes just stops me in my tracks. Um, I don't want people to see me as a I don't want people to see me as like a something to be to aspire toward. I want people to just see me as their sibling or te- like a teacher is there with you. You know, yeah. they're just a little bit far. I'm just a little ways ahead. That's it. Right. Um, but the thing is just like being just a little ways ahead is still light years of peace. Ooh, tell you what, and that's what I care about. And that's what I like teaching people is like, I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you've walked through. What are you going to do to return to peace? And what do you want to do now? So, yeah. And, uh, I think being able to step into that to take myself seriously, because it's like, it's one of these things where it's helped me. And now I've seen, I have, like, verify I have, like, results, repeatable results that says this is helping other people. And, you know, I w- I w- I'll say, like, oh, God, who is calling me right now? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and why is my do not, I have my do not disturb on. Fuck. technology uh, It's one of those things where it's like, oh, if, like, someone on your, like, your list calls you twice. It'll oh, go through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stupid idiot. I know you're fine. You just want to call me because you're bored. Sorry. No um, problem. Yeah. All that to say, going back to the thing, it's like, I'm fine with being held accountable. I hope people hold me accountable. Like, if I'm being racist, tell me. Like, we actually, like, I started a, a podcast recently, and I, we changed the name because, like, we were, like, borderline appropriative. And I'm like, mm, we don't need to do that. Because it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. You know, if someone gives you feedback, just take it. It's because they want you to do better. Yeah. And so I I, I think that's the thing is like I'm not because my relationships are already so deep with and like I try to stand in solidarity with the people who taught me how to be an activist and how Mm -hmm. to be a spiritual person in this world as like a queer non-binary person. Like they're going to check me. I have no doubt. So I'm not worried. I expect to be checked. Right. And that I think sets me free in a lot of ways that I expect people to be honest with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I love what you said about like, once you know peace, you can always return there. And I feel like that can be said Mm -hmm. for all of this. Like once you know, happiness, once you know, love, once you know your purpose, right? Like that's the other thing too. I was going to say, isn't it such Mm -hmm. a fucking relief (laughs) to like, Mm -hmm. not just like know why you're here, but to just feel sort of all consumed by that journey and mm-hmm. like i yeah. i don't know sometimes i wonder if that's i mean cuz this is something i return to when i'm teaching people astrology as well it's like first of all they all always pretty much already know who they are and what their purpose mm-hmm. is and what they're looking for is is <laughs> some self-trust and some confirmation and
2: truly um, Truly.
0: Uh, like these spiritual realms, I feel like our spiritual practices allow us to sink into that in a way that feels so
2: comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and it's really like a comfort that we feel in the body. Yes. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's like we, I think Christianity and like evangelical, like Western Christianity in general it does that big dichotomy thing between the physical and the spiritual. And like, we really discount the, the power of feeling good, the power of feeling happy, the power and like, and like not even measuring feeling good or happy. Uh, they, they don't, it's not seen as a metric of, no. of health or progress. It's right. not, it's not, it's not even a value. And like, for me, like in my spiritual practice, like I ask the question a lot, like, is it, is this fun for me? Am I having a good time? because if i'm not why am i doing it you know what i'm saying
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and like ha- and and of course though i think part of all of this is really going through the process of you know taking all of these like restrictions and expectations and pressure and shame off of us and then truly asking ourselves the question like mm-hmm. what do you what do you want <laughs> you know what, what feels do good you
2: want yeah that's it yeah and also, like, I think the, the, like the part of, like, good, doing good spiritual work or, like, unpacking your bullshit, integrating your shadow, whatever you want to call it, it just comes with just a very clear recognition that, like, what I've done so far hasn't been working. And it's okay for me to consider that maybe there's these other things that might be able to help me. And I think, like, things like astrology, things like tarot, things... Yeah any sort of new agey sort of thing or just any new practice in general, the The difference from like the evangelicalism I grew up in was that I now have something physical to work with, you know, mm. and like, you know, I see like within ritual practice, you know, if a sacrament, you know, what we'd say in the Christian faith is that a sacrament is something that is physical, that is meant to reflect something happening in the spiritual. It's meant to represent something. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a trans—you know—a transmutation of something or not even a transmutation, but just a recognition of the divinity within the material.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's what ritual work does for me is like if I'm lighting this candle and this represents this energy or I'm putting my energy into it or I'm focusing on this situation through this and I'm letting it burn away through that. I'm like, it does something in me, you know, even if like and the thing is, it's. If we're looking at it from a hypnosis standpoint, it's truly giving my mind a powerful suggestion and the brain will believe whatever I tell it. (laughs) So if I'm telling my brain when this candle is burned to the ground, all of your uh, hatred towards, you know, your lovely uh, ass, which sometimes is a little hairy sometimes, you're going to fucking love your ass. You're going to love your body. And that for me is like. Kind of with some of my hard work is I'm just like, let me burn away my self hate. Let me yeah. remember that I, where I am, who I am, and that's yeah. why all that's why people are so attracted to ritual practice and to these other ways of doing spirituality. It's because we actually have, it's it works. Yeah. It, it's yeah. working for us, right? And people get really like, oh, it's not real. I'm just like. I don't need it to be real. It just works. It's like astrology. I don't believe in it. It just works. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in magic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it just, I, it just yeah. works.
2: <laughs> I don't I believe always, in Jesus. He just is.
0: Yeah. Right. I know. It's so funny. I always say that, too. Like, I, I'm actually not even interested in whether or not it's real or not. To me, it's more the question mm. of, like, what if it was or what if it could be? Like, how might that affect or change your life if you believed mm-hmm. that you were connected to the universe in like a more profound way than you might be able to see with your eyes, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, to me, it's, it's totally the wrong approach. I think when you, and I, and I'm interested to hear what you will say to people around Mm. these skepticism as as well. Right. And I think a lot of the time Mm. I really appreciative of people's, at a to a point, appreciative of people's discernment and skepticism, and like approaching right. things from realistic points of view, I think that's important in this world because you can get sucked into mm. cults, for example, and crazy, oh yeah, you know,
2: shout out yeah. to a lot of us who got out of like Christian yeah. <laughs> offshoot cults. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that stuff is so insidious and it's everywhere and super muddy. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm interested to hear like if someone does. You know, sit there and question like, "Well, you know, is that really going to happen when I light this candle?" Um, What are the types of things Mm -hmm. that you might say?
2: Um. Well, the thing. uh, So here's the thing about I've I've recognized about uh, working and doing like ritual practice, like magical ritual practice, Mm -hmm. is that the magic itself, the ritual itself, is not about. So much affecting the outside world and the energies of the outside world as it is about uh, calling in <laughs> it's almost just like I want to align my inner world it's like yeah. I want to a lot of my ritual practices like I name the thing that I want I write it down and then I burn it as like a symbol of just like I release the outcome of this because I know that even if I don't get this exact thing that I want or the thing I'm trying to manifest, I know that like if i if what I want more than anything is for me is peace in my heart. That's if, if that's all I'm truly asking for that I can clear out. Like, cause like if I think that something is going to help bring me peace, of course I'll ask for it for me. I'm asking for like a really sexy boyfriend to come along right now. <laughs> who's like, you know, maybe six two, maybe he works out <laughs> three to five times a week. Maybe he's got <laughs> a big fat ass and like huge arms. And maybe he wants to flip in the bedroom with me. I don't know. But if I don't get that, I'm going to get something better, you know, because I'm not because like, yeah, it must be better. Like it, it because like if I know that I'm attracted and I want that, well, then obviously I can get the next thing. But I also know that like having a hot boyfriend is not going to complete me. You know, I don't technically like the hot boyfriend is not the thing I'm after. The thing I'm after is peace. You know, it's kind of it's one of those things where it's like. How do I learn how to just be okay with like being here, you know? Ram Das said be here now, baby. Yeah. And that's really kind of like what I'm I'm searching for in all of my ritual practices. Is like this what I'm doing here is really just surrendering. To saying like, you know what? I you know, I I, I know what I want to feel. I know what I want to bring in. I know what I want to ask for and I'm allowed to ask for it. And I might hear no, and I'm always allowed to. As that's one of my f- relationship things is like I can always ask for what I want as always, as long as I'm okay with hearing no, and that right. to me, that allows me to have a lot more non attachment, both like in you know just like career stuff, relationship stuff. Um, is I can I'm I can always ask for what I want as long as I'm okay with hearing no, and that if I'm he- if I realize that hearing no is not a death sentence. You know, hearing no is not a they're not saying no to me. They're saying no to a proposition. Right. You know, I cannot be like who I am. We hear no and we hear rejection. I'm like, who I am can never be rejected. That's where I want to get to. Who I am is truly unfuckable with. Right. And that is what I want to teach people how to do is to like, yeah, you've got hurt, you've got pain, you can be angry. And at the end of the day, also, you've got so much reserves of peace in your body that you have enough to spare your friends, you know, that you have enough to give to your family to hold space for people who are hurting in your life, you know, not doing it. Like, you know, I think spiritual journeys are as much about our individual salvation, quote unquote salvation, uh, as it is about, you know, when I say salvation, I mean healing really, you know, it's as much about our healing as it is for the healing of everyone around us. Right.
0: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people have this misconception around spiritual practices that what it's doing is like outsourcing security or outsourcing, mm-hmm. you know, safety or peace. And I, you know, I remember like when I first started getting really involved in this and I, it was a crazy, like climactic time of my life. And it was definitely like moving into a new transition of like finally living my the life that mm-hmm. I really wanted to live and being myself and, um, I remember like, okay, like, let's think about this partnership thing. And I like got this like Venus oil and I did all this stuff at my altar. And, and I, it felt very clear to me that I wasn't sitting there being like, please bring me a boyfriend. I was sitting there being, Mm -hmm. and I literally said, please bring anything into my life that I need to release in order to attract what it is that I deserve, mm.
2: you know? Hello.
0: Like, and that is holy exact, so it's like, shit. It's like, how yeah. do I,
2: and that's it. It's how yeah. do I make room? Cause obviously like, you know, I think like, uh, this is me being a little woo woo in some ways, obviously, cause I roll, it. but it really is like, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm just like, okay. So like, I've had a lot of, I, I keep telling myself and historically I've told myself, Oh, Kevin, like, you're really... Whoever's going to love you, they got to be able to handle a whole lot, you know? Like, making myself <laughs> out to be a burden of a permit, a burden yeah. of a human, right. rather than recognizing that, yeah, I am a, I am a shit ton, you know? Like, my life is a lot, but that does not make me a burden, Yeah, you know? My personality is huge and, you know, vivacious and bombastic, and that is not offensive. And whoever is going to love me is going to love the fact that I am a loud idiot. Yeah. You know, they're going to enjoy the fact that like, I'm the girl who screams when he sees his friends at brunch, you know? Yeah. And yes, that to me, like really like, that's been like a big focus of a lot of like the love, the love magic and love meditations and religious, like I've just been really focusing on like, um, the prayer for me has shifted. And this is a Marianne Williamson quote is, the prayer should not be, God, bring me somebody wonderful, but God, make me into somebody wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, make me into the kind of person that when this per- when my person, whoever I'm going to be in a relationship with, shows up, it feels obvious, it feels clear, and it feels fun. Yeah. Because for me, I have to have fun is my marker of like just I'm on the right track.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it reminds me. I was just talking. I just um, took a course to learn how to do a ritualistic tea ceremonies. Um, (laughs)
2: Sick, bro! You better come through. uh,
0: It's been it's been super fun. Um, Fuck! But now I just lost my train of thought. What did you just say last?
2: Oh, (sighs) you you asked the wrong ADHD bitch.
0: I know. I I'm the same. I just got so excited about tea. We were talking about tea,
2: and right before that, getting authorized and i was talking about
0: make me into the person
2: (laughs) oh yeah don't make me don't bring me somebody wonderful make me into somebody wonderful and that being the focus of like i think you know if you're doing individual ritual magic work it is all about you and it should be all about you because that's the person you're here to work on and then as you're doing it it's like for me it just it has set me free to like Again, it's made my, for example, my grief into a sacrament. You know, right. I now have my deceased loved ones on my ofrenda. I can spend time with them. I can visit them. Yeah. I can, you know, for me, uh, I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's just like my ancestors are always with me. Yeah. You know, that I carry them in the deepest part of my DNA. Right. And also just like I feel like. There's this infinite, like when my meditation practice has taken me to this like place in my soul that I just, when I'm at my best, I'm always living from and my mm-hmm. whole family's there
3: yeah,
2: and my whole lineage and my yeah. whole, uh, like the, I would call it the communion of sinners and saints, baby. Yeah. Like, all, like <laughs> it yeah. just, I just feel it so clearly a lot right. of the time. And that's what I try to help other people feel too, is like. Right. And whether or not I'm creating it in my mind or, and it's real or it's just a thought. God is a thought. Okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes. So, and I'm glad you brought up grief because that reminded me of what I was going to say. Cause you, you mentioned suffering and I actually had mm-hmm. this woman, Mariana, who taught me about tea on the podcast recently. And we were talking about this like lie that, society and culture and certainly many forms of religions teach us that like we deserve things only when and if we suffer it's like if i work super hard then i deserve something and it's so hard for people to prioritize like fun and love and peace as Mm -hmm. genuine needs and like yes like i i mean that changed me cuz i feel like i am a very like passionate loving fun fucking leo like that's so much of who i am and i feel mm-hmm. like i went through all of my 20s like t- cutting so many of those parts off of me thinking that i need to be like serious and all of these not fun things um and mm-hmm. then finally like I, I mean honestly i like took mdma and like Listen, I was I had an acid trip that changed my life, babe. (laughs) Yeah, like it it just made me remember. And I was just remember the next morning, like sitting Mm. in the sun drinking a cup of coffee with no clothes on, and I was like, I do not need anything else. Like I'm this is like peak pleasure Mm -hmm. life. Like I need to get back to this. I need to like simplify and take things off. And
3: Mm -hmm. like
0: it just it was such a profound moment of recognizing like it is totally okay to prioritize joy, which doesn't mean you don't you dismiss mm-hmm. the, the grief and the suffering at all. Yeah. But like what's exactly. the point of all of that if you can't have yeah. fun afterwards, you know?
2: Yeah. I think the what I think uh suffering obviously is, you know, Buddha told us existence is suffering, clinging to everything is yeah. suffering, and we're learning how to let it go and let it pass. Yeah. And the way that I think about The ideas of joy and love and happiness and like, and even like, how do I have joy in the midst of sorrow? It's I extend compassion. I extend my love to myself, to the Mm -hmm. part of me that's hurting so much so that my compassion, and I would say the compassion, the heart of Christ envelops the whole thing. And it doesn't try to dissolve it it doesn't try to break it it doesn't try to ignore it or smother it it yeah. brings it into itself and it just holds it until the grief in me is ready to let go and become part of everything again right you know and that grief doesn't like you know it's it just it transforms it's like i still think about my dead dad all the time you know but it's now it's just a part of me right. and it you know like sometimes i cry about it but it, I don't always need to. I don't always want to. Um, but, like, my compassion, like, when I do need to, my compassion is there to hold it. Like, for example, today is his birth, would have been his birthday. Hmm. And so, and I was wondering how I was going to feel today. I feel fine. You know? Maybe I'll cry later. But right now, it's like, <laughs> my compassion yeah. is, has enough to hold it. Yeah. You know? And if I don't have enough compassion, like, like of course, in miracles, would say, ask the spirit. Ask your, you know, then would, you know, ask your guides, angels, ancestors, whoever, ask your deepest self for the compassion you don't think you have
0: mm-hmm.
2: and let it, let it be there. Yeah. I don't know if any of that made sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. It's beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I want to talk a little bit. Of, I wrote this in my notes before we started recording mm-hmm. about, and you brought it up about shame. Yeah. And Um, The insidiousness of, you know, I was actually thinking about it related to this situation of this man murdering these Asian women. Mm -hmm. And like, of course, of course, anti-Asian racism is real and it's risen since COVID. And like, but also I was like, (laughs) I totally believe that in this like sexually repressed, shame-based culture Mm -hmm. that we have, that that incites violence of of every kind. And I wish Mm -hmm. we could... I wish we could talk about that more. <laughs> I wish we were yeah. more willing to wade into those waters because to me, that's what I see. I see the insidious, mm-hmm. like, you know, deadly nature of shame. And I'm sure you've yeah. experienced a lot of
2: that too. I mean, like that was, I, I look at the stats of the, of the person who murdered those women. Um, and white son of a pastor, Christian who reported that he, also if you're triggered by these things obviously take care of yeah. yourself log off if you need to um, but he said specifically that he had a you know sexual temptation and was seeking to eliminate it. Right. And so it was this thing it's just like oh you think these women are doing uh, you have convinced yourself that the devil or these women are doing this on purpose to cause you to stumble. It's not your fault. It's their fault. And therefore they must be punished for their sins, not your sins.
1: Right.
2: And your sin was actually, what did Jesus say? If even if you look at a woman and it causes you to stumble, pluck out your eye, that's what that asshole should have done. He should have plucked out his fucking eyeballs so that he wouldn't sin anymore. But that's not what Jesus is like, but that's like how far Jesus was willing to go. Just like, if you can't change your mind, then obviously you got to do something about this. But of course, like, that's what Jesus is getting at and was always getting us is the renewal of your mind. And I was in the same place. I was in such a place of shame, but it wasn't uh, God's fault. It was the world's fault. And then when I realized it wasn't the world's fault, it was like, I blamed my body and I saw my body as this separate thing from me and I demonized it. And so it's like, I know, so I grew, I thought I had a porn addiction. I watched porn like one time and I'm like, oh my God, I'm an addict. You know, I masturbated <laughs> yeah. like any normal teenager would masturbate. And I'm, I'm a masturbator. I'm i right. mas- I'm a masturbator. <laughs> like like there's all yeah. this shit around it and I'm just like, listen, if anything, I need to masturbate more. I'm so totally sort of stressed out.
0: I know. Yeah. I, oh my it, God. it's, I have another podcast that I host with my friend, uh, called Horror rapport and we basically have, oh like, my
2: God please bring me on that show. I would love to talk about being a whole. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we, we just try to have like, you know, the most out there. I mean, and it's, it's not like, you know, we're very loving of like men and all people. And the point is like inclusion and honesty and there's, you know, it's just, it's, it's trying to normalize and like peel back the covers on something that we're all experiencing. And, Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, it's, it's fascinating to read. We get a lot because we, we ask for them, but we get a lot of emails. A lot of our listeners are men um, Mm -hmm. who are like so Mm -hmm. grateful just to be able to like talk to a woman, even via email in an honest sort of like clear way. Like, oh my God, I'm struggling with this, blah, blah. But it's, it's crazy to hear what they say around like. Oh, I like watch so much porn or I jerk off so much and it's like, so how much? Like oh once a week, like, dude, your problem's the opposite of what you think it is. Like do more of it, you know? It's just And it's that's cr-
2: the thing. Yeah, um <laughs> I there so uh, I just finished listening to Being Ramdas, which is mm-hmm. his posthumous book, and oh my god. First of all, Ram Dass was so fucking queer and he had this relationship <laughs> with this be- like a beautiful relationship with a man named Peter for years and years and years, even after he lost his mobility and ability to speak and all of that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so first of yeah. all, Ram Dass was fucking queer and therefore he's canon. <laughs> um, but something he said in that, like when he was in, uh, he was visiting his guru Maharaji in India and one of the guys who was there, like he like fooled around with in the back of the van and Maharaji being probably an ascended master, knowing all things, like jokingly said to Ram Das, he's like, Ooh, you gave him one of your best lessons. And everybody like those three knew what they were talking about. They laughed (laughs) about it. And the way Ram Das uh, reflected on it was, you know, if, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get caught up in things, right? You're going to what, and what's interesting is like, he didn't demonize it. It It's just like, Oh yeah. So you kissed a boy. So you have sexuality. Okay. That's fine Just don't feel ashamed of it And don't get caught up in it It's like Don't demonize it And also You don't have to make it To the central Central point of your life You know Yeah It's an aspect of it Now granted I'm not the kind of person Who's just like Oh there's just like A part of you that's queer I'm like very much like Whole body individual But I get what he was saying It's just like When we demonize something And push it away Like The resistance to it Like if we push against something There's this equal And opposite reaction Where it it latches onto us in the same exact force to which we're trying to push it away. Right. So if you're trying to push away your sexuality, whether you are a straight man or a queer person or a woman or whoever, when you push away your sexuality in some ways, uh, you know, you push long enough, you become numb to the tension of you holding on and pushing it and keeping it at arm's length, or you push it away to the point where you hate it so much and you can't, like, you know, can't push it far farther enough because you can't resist it enough Right. And so you have to do something fucking drastic. Right. And yes. queer folks, what do we do? Like self-harm pops up, yep. depression pops up, uh, murder, apparently, yep. you know. Of course. I'm also like, you know, I'm also, also, this is not to say that that's the only thing that motivated these things. There's obviously right. anti-Asian.
0: Nuance people. Yeah it's, <laughs> yeah. it's
2: one of those things where we have to recognize that it's all looped in like in Christian together. white supremacy, Christian <laughs> yeah. white supremacy, purity right. culture. Yes. Uh it's all it's all there. We could probably um yeah, let's not dwell on that if we, don't, <laughs> we <want> to, but <laughs> agreed, God almighty.
0: Agreed. I know. Motherfuck. It's all intertwined. I mean, I feel like our biggest failure in so many ways is that we don't look at things from a holistic perspective. And I fear that until we are capable of doing that, that it's going to be extremely hard to solve much of anything because like it is all connected. Yes. I mean, the planet is dying. That's connected, you know, like it's God. all looped in together. Um, and this is
2: something and- I am really passionate. This is why I'm so passionate about people finding a spiritual practice that leads them back to healing back to themselves.
3: hmm
2: because it is all intertwined, because once you heal, once I heal, everybody else around me can start healing. i don't have to worry about everyone I, like for a time, like when we come into it, we need the care of community to bring to build us back up to like have nurse us back to spiritual health, mm-hmm. and then we have to turn and do that for other people. We have to draw our own circle wider because right. once we are healed. You know, whereas once we're on the path forward, like you want to keep that healing, you got to start giving it away. Yeah, that's the damn truth.
0: Yeah, and I think to some extent that comes naturally, or at least I feel like it did to me. There was a direct correlation, and still is. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's an ongoing process. Yes, 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 yes. My inner healing, um, so let's talk about identity a bit uh, because I, I, (laughs) it's a big topic. Um and it's yeah capital I identity yeah yeah yeah. I mean it's fascinating I think I probably mentioned this on our last podcast but if I didn't I'll repeat it um so Mm -hmm. my dad is gay and I found out when I was ten and Mm -hmm. prior to that my parents had been separated since I was five and my dad was living with a man holding hands with a man kissing a man all this stuff never occurred to me like okay whatever that's my dad's friend like whatever. And then, later, due to multiple circumstances of how my parents decided mm-hmm. to tell my brother and I about this, I basically found out my dad was gay, but all i knew all I knew about gay was that it was bad i didn't I had mm. no idea it was just like gay was bad, but my dad was like my best friend. my dad and I are like tight, and so right. at ten, I was like, "Okay, so there are these labels and these words and these identities." Or these, yeah, these, just these ideas that people think are good or bad or this or that. But in my experience, I'm feeling like that's a bunch of bullshit because like gay equals bad, but my dad's not bad. So y- y'all are full of shit basically. Exactly. Um, and I feel like the way that I've always approached identity from then on was like all of this noise and, and I get it. Like we're humans and we want to belong to a group and we want to belong to a community and we're pulled in those directions naturally. But to me, identity, like, it felt so much more meaningful to me to, like, keep taking these restrictive identities off and just, like, seeing what mm-hmm. was underneath, which was, like, pre-lingual. Like, it's not, it's not, yes. I'm, not a, I'm not a this or a that. It's, like, this is an energetic thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so I just wanted to know how you approach that and specifically uh, around gender. And because I feel like the way you talk about it is sort of the way that I... Mm -hmm. approach it as well and it's very different than saying like i'm not this i'm that it's like i'm Mm taking i'm rejecting all that shit (laughs) i'm coming up with my own thing kind of you know
2: yeah the way i um i started figuring out that i wasn't a cisgender male when i was (laughs) dating my first boyfriend Mm. and what i recognized in that first relationship was just i wanted to express myself by like You know, I wanted to try out, you know, wearing makeup or like, you know, painting my nails. But Mm -hmm. I still felt and I had a lot of internalized transphobia. Like uh, I was also very, very afraid to leave my partner because I was just very codependent. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just ended up like, you know, I hurt him in big ways, you know, you know, was very untrue to him and broke Mm -hmm. his heart in a million ways because I, again, had unmet needs and desires that I felt like I couldn't talk about. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But what I started after we broke up, I started kind of leaning more into my, um, kind of leaning more into just what kind of what felt good experimenting, see, seeing what I liked. And so what I recognized was that, like, I know that I'm not a dude, but I'm not a woman in the classical sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I look, there's a wonderful book by Thomas Prower, or Tomas Prower called mm-hmm. Queer Magic. It looks like this. And it's so good. And he yeah. talks about um, the different ways in which queerness is actually inherent in indigenous communities around the world throughout time and history. And how understanding of third, fourth, fifth, sixth genders within cultural communities were actually... Understood to be holy people were understood to be people with divine connections, mm-hmm. uh, who you know possessed both masculine and feminine spirits, or that their spirit was made up of both masculine and feminine energy, which was seen as like a superior right. kind of spiritual setup. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, it is you, <laughs> stupid bitches. Um, yeah, he did. He said completely devoid of his ego.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> but that's kind of how I have seen it. It's just like okay. My queerness, it definitely connects me to my divinity and to God in general. And the way that I have thought about it is like, I feel like I am, uh, you know, some cultures like, you know, would say there's like male, masculine, masculine, feminine, feminine, masculine, feminine, and feminine, masculine. Yeah. I would say that I'm a, like a feminine mask, you know, feminine man, feminine, masculine or a feminine, yeah, feminine, masculine, where there's like. You know, for somebody who has my body, you know, uh, assigned male at birth, I have a penis, uh, and I'm totally cool with that. Like, I like my beard, I like my body. I don't, I don't really have any dysphoric feelings towards it. But I also know that my spirit and the way that I present and the way that I want to engage in the world come is very feminine. It's like um, one person described the Christ as or Jesus as a masculine body with a feminine spirit. That is how I feel all the time. That's the best way I know how to describe it. Um, And also noting that like when I'm saying masculine or feminine, I'm not saying we're not I'm not talking about anatomics or gender roles. I'm talking about these two delicious energies um, that have been floating around the cosmos for forever, and we give it different names in different cultures. Right. And I think Western society has obviously equated masculine with penis and feminine with vagina, and all the gender roles that come along with that. If we can break away from that understanding of femininity or masculinity having anything to do with sex, yeah. Ooh, baby.
0: Okay yes I'm so glad you brought that up too because I feel like that's sometimes where I get frustrated is that like we can explore gender embodiment and expression and all of that without without necessarily dismissing these sort of like polarity energies that I find to be extremely informative and rich and interesting and like I flow mm-hmm. between both of those yes. at different times in different places Like, like I'm pretty convinced that if like being non-binary or trans was more popular when I was pre-pubescent that like I would have Mm -hmm. very likely been like, fuck that girl thing. Like I'm a guy and I've always like, I experienced sexuality from the perspective of a man in weird ways, but I've never, same with you. Mm -hmm. Like I've never felt dysphoric about my body. I've always known I was a woman, but I've just always felt such an intense, like, masculine energy Mm -hmm. inside of me that complemented the femininity and actually, like, allowed me, I feel like, to experience, Mm -hmm. you know, trust and vulnerability because I had these, like, masculine boundaries and strength and all of that. And um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, to me, it's much more of, like, how do we flow? You know, it's the yin and yang thing. Like, there's two sides, Mm -hmm. but they each contain each other. And to me, it's, like, this beautiful dance that I... Love exploring. Come on, perichoresis. Yeah. And that's what I
2: like. Um, And so what's interesting is like a lot of like we talk about the polarity between two separate sides and how they're both a part of each other. And I think that flows beautifully into the idea of like Trinitarian theologies um, across, you know, if you look even like in, you know, in the Celtic tradition, like, you know, Brigid um, mm-hmm. or Brigid was the three faced goddess. You know, she was the mother or is the mother, the maiden and the crone. The past, present, the future, the, you know, right. holy parent, holy child, holy spirit. And when I think about, like, you know, they'd say, like, you know, it's the father, son, and holy goes the way. I, I see, like, myself in that as, like, oh, it's like, if I'm to see my, I see myself now as part of that trinity, you know, yeah. and I see the whole of creation as the quote unquote son of God or the body of God, um, you know, I And that's how how I get caught up in it. So it's like, it's it's not this, it's not that, it's something else. It's something (laughs) bigger. It's something more expansive and all encompassing. It's like back in the day when they were trying to like nail down Trinitarian theology, there's like, you know, the father is not the son. The son is not the spirit. The spirit's not the father and vice versa. You know, the father is God, the son is God and the spirit's God. And it's just like, I think like what they're all trying to say and they're getting caught up in is like everything. Is everything? <laughs> yeah, you know, Lauren Hill taught me everything. Is everything?
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Does that make sense? I don't even totally. Know it, makes sense.
0: it totally makes sense to me. I mean, and that's why it's like. I mean, and you can apply that same logic to religion, and I do. Mm-hmm. It's like, and what, you should. Yeah, what got messed up there? Where we took a wrong turn was not religion's fault. You know, humans have a way of, <laughs> of getting their fingers in things and kind of screwing with it a little bit. But I agree, it's like where we so want to define or box in or understand or logically, scientifically get something, and I feel much more comfortable with the ground a little bit shaky below me, like just kind of flowing in Not yeah. everything. <laughs> this this yeah. conversation is getting it's, super meta, but I totally get
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then that's also like, to me, that is good spiritual. That was what we might call the peace that passeth understanding. Yeah. You know, just like when the water shifts, when, you know, we get on, like when I get on the white, you know, if we're, if we're going to use the river metaphor, you know, when we hit the white the white rap is and it's getting crazy, I can either scream in terror or squeal yeah. in delight. Yes. You know? Yes. How practiced am I on the river? Very practiced. Why don't I remember my practice? I know how to row, I know how to hold on, and I know if I get thrown overboard, I know how to safely make it to shore or get back in the boat. Yeah. I know that's come on. This is how I know <laughs> that I used to be an evangelical pastor because I can make a goddamn <laughs> metaphor out of anything. I love it. <laughs>
0: it's great um yeah love metaphors um yeah totally on board um I want to talk about community too and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's it's interesting to me since COVID I feel like yes there's that like hunger for human connection and And what I feel so called to, and I think I mentioned this in my email to you, but I live in this town that was sort of founded around all of these different spiritual centers. The purpose being to prove that all of these different traditional religions could coexist peacefully. Um, So there's Mm -hmm. like this Carmelite nunnery and like this Buddhist retreat and like Japanese Shumai and all these different um, Mm -hmm. uh, religions with direct lineages. And it's really what called me to this area and I I can see and feel viscerally that this town, but I think the world in this way are, you know, um, are Mm -hmm. going through a kind of evolution. And I think our generation is growing up Mm -hmm. and um, starting to use these practices and sort of like in you know hopefully with reverence and respect to the tradition but also in ways that are mm-hmm. accommodating of our current reality and um right and i i just it's so hard for me just not to like feel so good about and envision what it what mm. it would look like or feel like to have these spaces filled with like a new generation of like spiritual leaders <laughs> um and i'm particularly <sighs> interested in like the Like the the ways the tradition, I just love what you're doing, because um, I think that the traditions that have gone awry were not the fault of the texts or the traditions themselves, Mm -hmm. again, was like the way the humans did it. So that reimagining of something, like the redreaming of the story is so profound to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to just, like, have fun talking to you about what you yeah. see in the future with that as well.
2: Oh, in my <laughs> wildest dreams? Yeah. We're we gonna...
0: Yeah, let's do so it. So <laughs> I,
2: so this is something I love talking about and thinking about because, I mean, I think about all the times in my life when I said, I mean, I'm only 31 years old, but there's so many moments throughout my life. I, I have said, I didn't think that in my lifetime I would see X. Didn't yeah. think we would see a black president in my lifetime, which was wild. Why? It is wild to yeah. think <laughs> yeah. that, that I thought that. Yeah. And then also we wouldn't, you know, there's a bunch of firsts, like we got same sex marriage on the day my brother was getting married. So I'm just like, Oh my gosh, yeah. how yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, so there's all, so I like, I'm so done thinking on those terms of like, we might not see it in our lifetime. I'm just like, why not? We might <laughs> see it in our lifetime. Why don't we just fucking yeah. try?
3: <laughs> and <laughs> yes. so
2: there is a whole lot of us out here. Like a lot of my friends who are like getting like, you know, getting their seminary degrees and like, yeah, I'm not doing the church thing anymore. We got to figure something else out. Yeah. Um. I truly envision a large, uh, I think it's going to start off with like larger gatherings, but I think once we gather together in large spaces and start figuring out where we are, I would love to see communities that are basically organized religion, organizing around the right thing. And maybe that means that you're going to found like found a Christian community that is very, you know, very Christocentric and just you to do the right things. And that's your whole lane is that you're just really, really, really good Christians um or maybe that means you're going to start like i my vision i want to start a community that is super interfaith on purpose yeah i want us to focus on teaching practices that bring us back to peace and practice together and meditate together and pray together um i want whatever building we happen to do to be a community center where people can get the help that they need that people can rent out and use for different things that people uh You know, we can, maybe we can start a preschool or some shit. I don't know. There's basically like, you know, there are ways. And what's so wonderful is that if people wanted to, like what would happen if like we started finding like these old churches that maybe we can buy up and like rework, you know, and make them actually, it's like, what if we actually like built the new church?
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh.
2: And for me, it's like, you know, we can call it Christian, non-Christian. I don't give a fuck what we call it because, like, the the name is not important. The yeah. important, like, the idea I have is, like, we, because the thing, the thing that I'm so passionate about is, like, once we do the inner healing thing, everything else just makes fucking sense. <laughs> it's like, well, of course, like, all right, guys, we're going to, you know, we're in this community. Uh, how are we going to, like, help? We have a lot of homeless friends. What are we going to do to help them? Yeah. How can we help them? How can we figure this out?
0: Yeah. You know? Yes.
2: And like, you know, how like my my ideal thing is like I want people to come together. I want there to be some kind of really interesting teaching. I want there to be some kind of musical moment, whether it's people singing a song, like the song I've been stuck on is Crowded Table by Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> I'm like, that's the most lesbian, queer, gay shit I've ever heard. Like of course lesbians would all sing about yeah. wanting a house with a crowded table.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's
2: what I want. Yeah. You know, I want, I want a lesbian boat trip full of people. You know, I want it to be interesting. I want it to be evocative and I want people to just like become friends with one another. I don't want to like start small groups and have people like you, if you want to start start a little book study, sure. Go do it. Yeah. Go do whatever feels good. I don't care. I just want you to, my question is, is, is like, what do you need? Yeah. And so, and also then it's just like, okay, so like, let's pool our resources if this is doing good for us. Um, And then I want to take that kind of blueprint and then teach other people how to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to find people who are like really, really good teachers. And the thing about it is I think the people who are the best teachers are the people who just keep their practices. Right. Like whoever, the pastors of the future they are spiritual practitioners. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not teaching people like, you know, how to fix their sin in two steps. They're teaching people how to let go of their suffering yeah. through daily physical practices, which are daily sacramental practices. Right. And then, yeah, and then like, we actually start like figuring out like how, like once you start there, we truly can figure everything out. Like, the reason that churches do not care about the earth is because they do not care about themselves. You want people to care about a fucking tree when you don't even, when they don't even care about their own bodies. Right. Impossible. And so, yeah. And so that is why, like when you see yourself as inextricably linked to the suffering of the world, which is the heart of compassion in Christ, yeah. you then become motivated to heal yourself. So as to contribute to the healing of the wholeness of the world.
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: Your suffering is just as important (laughs) as that tree. Yeah. Amen.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's such a (sighs) beautiful, you know, what I find, what I take a lot of issue with, especially in the sort of like more new age spiritual community is this whole idea of like transcendence and like leaving the earthly plane. And I'm like, I don't want to do, I want to be more embodied here and I want to take the spiritual realm and I want to put it here. And like, that's why the idea of like a church mm-hmm. or a temple or like the physical tangible a space coven, if you will yeah, that contains this energy to me it's just like orgasmically appealing <laughs> um because it's yes. real it's like that's where we are humans like that is mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about that and limiting about that and i'm here to like how do I become mm-hmm. a spiritual human? Not how do I descend, transcend my humanness? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a beauty in, no, the it's tangible. like, how do I
2: live? Yeah. It's like, because honestly at the heart of our being, there's so much bliss. Yeah. And like, I think that through practices, we get little tastes of that bliss. We get little touches of God and, you know, the mystics, would, you know, mystics are often saying like, you know, I am, I am happiest when I am just meditating with God yeah and that's what you know that's why like you know all these like weird like Catholic saints went off to like be nuns and monks is because they got a taste of it, and that's all they cared about, yeah, and that's totally fine some people that's how they get off. I am much more i want to say I'm much more like uh carnal but like I'm a witch, yeah and you know i so I think that like the full embodiment, including the full embodiment of pleasure, I'm not saying it's like you know. People who are celibate for whatever reason they choose to be celibate for spiritual paths and whatnot—that is a path to God. Mm-hmm. It's just not its not my path to God. My path to God's through pleasure, mama. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my God, same. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I hope I'm grateful for for you. when I try to do this as much as possible too. But remind people of that, mm-hmm. like, like it's yeah. cool to live a hedonist. <laughs> You know, responsibly Just have a little fun yeah.
2: Like, like if you're gonna, like, I tell people If I'm gonna be in this body If I'm gonna be, if I'm forced to I chose to be here for whatever reason And I can't get out of it right. I mean, I could But, like, there's also a lot of fun that can be had In this form Did you ever, did you watch the movie Soul? I don't think so The can't Oh my gosh, <laughs> I think it's I can't remember if it's on Netflix or if it's on Disney Plus mm. But I think everyone should watch it Because what happens is uh, someone dies and then is trying to get back to the real world, ends up switching bodies with a soul that has not incarnated yet. Uh, and this soul doesn't want to incarnate. And so they accidentally fall into this person's body and have to experience life. And it turns out they are in awe of everything. And like, Oh, that's the reason people do it well, because like <laughs> they, it's just life. It's being, it's existence. And, it's just it was uh anyways it just it's beautiful and i think it actually like i'd like that form of some sort of afterlife that looks interesting yeah
0: no i'll have to check that out that seems really cool um yeah
2: so personal personal wreck non-spawn
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so in moving toward this seems like shared vision that we both have I wanted to briefly Mm. get your thoughts on the whole like discernment and discrimination piece, because I feel especially over the last year, the extent of the delusion Mm. as far as the spiritual world goes and like how difficult it is for people. You know, I don't know. I I'm, I'm of the mindset that like we can spend a lot of time demonizing and pointing out what it is about these crazy narcissistic gurus that we hate mm-hmm. and why they're evil and all of this stuff. But like if we on our side could develop better senses of like self-worth and self-trust and intuition and discernment mm-hmm. and discrimination, you know, what would that crazy narcissist guru be if there weren't a ton of people following them? Um, and so I, I try to like, and I've been caught up in this for sure. So many of us have like just gotten totally you know, looped in at multiple Mm -hmm. different ages to people or practices that weren't totally clean and healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm curious how, if you see, like, if someone wasn't sure, you know, like how, how, how Mm -hmm. are we sure, how are we sure that the people that we're following, Mm -hmm. even, you know, not to say that we need to idolize them or anything like that, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we, how do we tell the difference and, and, At this time that everyone is so hungry for belonging and meaning, like how we can get Mm -hmm. accidentally sucked into something that's not so great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's the it's the danger of falling it from going from one fundamentalism to another, Mm -hmm. like from one, you know, from one safety net to another, because like it is like, especially when you're leaving fundamentalist religion or just any sort of like controlling environment you want to you look, you search for something that gives you safety you search for an answer you search for something that's going to like frame your world a little better right. and excuse me and so what i'm looking for in the people i follow and lead is a couple of things one uh have they messed up publicly and how did they respond um that's a big one for me because I, am not, I have been wrong so many times I've said racist shit on the internet by accident I've said transphobic shit on the internet Especially when I started out and didn't know anything about Queerness But I was still not even out of the closet myself yeah. And I was trying to write about queer issues um, From like a You know Side B Christian closeted perspective Very interesting mm. um, But I've been called out on stuff And That's fine Because at the end of the day being wrong doesn't mean that you're bad yeah. It means that you were wrong. Yeah, that's all it means. And so it's just like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in right relationship with someone? Apologize, change your behavior, move on. And if someone doesn't want to be your friend because you hurt their feelings, that's fine. That's their prerogative. Yeah, you know. So I am somebody, and I think I also have a little bit of a personal advantage. Be, not even a personal advantage. It's just that, like, well, maybe it is. I don't know. Um when I first came out, what I fell into this really beautiful queer uh POC activist community. So like I cu- when I started when I came out, I started cutting my teeth on intersectional activism, on church reform, mm-hmm. on how to include you know marginalized identities and put them at the center. Yeah. So like I'm in relationship with a lot of People of color and a lot of queer people of color, POC activists. Uh, and so I, I seem like, I feel like my solidarity is really, really wrapped up. I, I, I know people. Yeah. And that's why, like, I, I don't want to say that I don't mess up. It's just like, I'm not worried. Like I'm worried. No, I'm not worried about messing up. I just know that when I mess up and I probably will, cause like who doesn't, I just know that it's okay and that I can apologize and that I can make amends and I can really do better. Right. And like, granted, like that's, that's really, that's really it. Like look, if your leaders do not have a practice of repentance, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's a sign if someone, and granted, like, you know, that's for me. I look for people who can repent in public and it'd be okay. Um. Someone told me that, uh, Kevin, it's the job of a past a good pastor to fail in public, and so that's why I'm okay with calling myself a digital pastor because, like,
0: <laughs> I fail in public.
2: <laughs> I like I'll, I'll like I'll I fully admit to people I'm just like I know that I smoke too much weed right now. It's a panorama. Yeah. It's hard out here. Yeah. like I fully know that like uh, I have a history of codependence. I fully know that I have a, I snap at people like sometimes when like I feel misunderstood mm-hmm. like. But I'm also willing to apologize. Yeah. I'm willing to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I know that I'm an asshole, but please let me apologize for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the, part, the first one. The second thing, when you're, like, you're looking for a good leader on the internet, uh, is uh, are they telling you that you have to believe everything perfectly? Or like telling you that if you do this, this will happen? Um, you know, I always look for people who are more descriptive than prescriptive Mm. people who like are, you know, like they're not saying that they know the way they are just saying like, this is what I've experienced and maybe it'll work for you. Right. And so fully acknowledging that they could be wrong and just, I don't know, look for joy. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Are they happy? (laughs) Are they nice to people (laughs) most of the time? Yeah. Right. You know, I know that I, like, I don't call myself, I think I'm a kind person. I don't think I'm a nice person, though. Like, if someone's going to be a dick to me on the internet, I will, you know, yeah. hand you your ass a little bit. <laughs> um, yes. But I like to think, like, you know, how do, how do they treat people? You know, who are their friends? And also, this is probably, like, my other thing, is, like, do they have people in their life that will tell them no and they'll listen? Yeah. That's something yeah. for me is I have people in my life who can tell me no, and I will listen to them. Right. Or at least tell me, you need to reconsider this, and Challenge I will listen you. to them. you, yeah. Yeah, I had a, a couple years ago, I kind of dragged this person on the Internet when I was feeling really triggered, and Matthias Roberts called me up and said, Kevin, that was not okay what you did. And I said, really? It was really that bad? He's like, yeah, you mistook something that they said, and you need to apologize. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that right now. And I did, and I sent the person a DM, and I also put it on Twitter. I said, hey, yesterday I did this, and this was wrong, and I am sorry that I did something else triggered. Yeah, And that was the end of it. Right. Right. You know, it's like, I also have my friend Miles who told me one time, like, hey, uh, I think you're smoking a little too much weed, and you need to not smoke weed when you're presenting uh, in public because uh, you're not as sharp, and you have a really good message. Mm. So please, you know... If not for your sake, for the sake of the people that you're presenting to, I was like, you know what, that's real. Yeah. And so, like, being able to like get feedback and not see it as it's not a mark against self work, right? My self worth. Excuse me. It's just a comment on my behavior, yeah. and I can choose to do with that whatever I want. Yeah. You know, if I want to smoke every single fucking day and for, for a conversation, I'm allowed to do that.
0: Yeah.
2: As long as I, <laughs> as long as I know what I'm doing. I
0: sort of love it.
2: Now, granted. <laughs> so yeah and that's the thing it's just like if i want to do that i could but i yeah. also i really want to love and serve people yeah. and if the, i can serve people better by not showing up stoned right great let me do that right
0: right and just meeting you know. ourselves like where we're at at any given time i think the worst thing we can yeah. do it's like if you're punishing yourself because you don't love yourself enough like that is not the right strategy exactly. like, like this will yeah. pass Ex- when it extend it,
2: your compassion yeah
0: exactly um we can't it'll force pass it. when
2: you extend your compassion to it and say, It's okay. Yes. It's okay that you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, do you want to do it right now? Right.
0: Yeah. And you I know it's
2: like I think about it all the time. It's like, Kevin, it's fine that you want to go down to the bathhouse right now and just have sex with a lot of strangers. But it's also a panorama and COVID and like, do you want to do that right now? No.
0: <laughs> I don't.
2: Right. Not really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, and I think too, we would just like be a lot better off if we understood that we do not have to idolize people in order to learn from them, you know, like you have to like people, I mean, and I, and I've gotten caught up in this. I look back and I think like, I could have just learned from that person. I did not have to put them on the pedestal that I did. And like, yes, they had these failures and they could have been better in all these different ways, but like had Mm -hmm. you approached that situation in a bit of a more discriminatory way, you could have been like, okay, I'm going to take this and leave that, you know, like we can learn lessons from someone. We don't have to like fucking date them, you know, like we don't need to like be their best friend. (laughs) Um, And I think that would, and also like,
2: don't, don't take my words as gospel. Yeah. You know, that's another thing too. Don't take anybody's words. as just gospel truth. Test everything. Yeah. Test it out. See if it works.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
2: that's the big thing. It's just like I don't. If someone is asking you to take something on blind faith, that don't talk to them. Don't take anything on blind faith. No. Like try out what try it out. You know, and they say the gospel. If it's not good news for everyone, it ain't gospel. And that's true. If it's like one of the like, so it's one of those things where just like if you, it's like when people like work working with magical stuff. It's just like, well, I bought this money oil, but I'm still fucking broke. I'm just like, well, how's your spending?
0: Right. You know, this... <laughs> exactly. Me, oh. We're, not how magic you're in works. Charge, <laughs>
2: you're in charge of 99% of your own magical workings. Yeah. It's, anyways. Yes. But that's another pod. That's for our coven meeting. Yeah. You know, come on over to the coven. Yeah. We're starting one. I, Did you know? I didn't,
0: but I'm I'm down. I'm there. Um, Yeah. I I... Yeah. I mean, magic is been super real and valid in my life but i don't think it's in the way that people might think it's real and valid, exactly you know like that shit's like i've had so many different epiphanies i think we talked about this in our first podcast but like the whole point here is this conversation between myself and god and like god is me and i right like this is an internal mm-hmm. external mirroring like that's what fucking astrology is like this shit's not telling you some shit you don't know or like I'm not going to tell you what your mm-hmm. future is. This is just a mirror for you to see yourself clearer. Um,
3: mm-hmm. And
0: like in that case, if we can see ourselves clearer and we can love ourselves more from that perspective, then like, that's where I feel They're like good. truly anything is possible. You know, that's the magic it's in yes. here. Yeah.
2: Yes. It's like, again, like it's the question of like, what will I do to return to peace? Which I think you were saying is like, is that clarity, that moment where I recognize God and me and me and God. Yeah. You know, it's where like when I something I like doing and like I I practice for myself is going into whenever I'm meditating, like I will just walk myself into this beautiful visualization Hmm. where I'm just wherever my spirit finds peace. Usually like I show up and I'm like under this like giant tree and it's like Jesus and Buddha and me all hanging out. And like for me, I'm like, okay, so this is the place where like I'm always at peace and if I need to ask Jesus something, I can, mm-hmm. you know, he's right there.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, if I need to ask my higher self something, I can. Yeah. And it it comes when I've slowed down to create peace for myself so I can get clarity. Because like when you have peace, everything springs forth, everything springs forth from it. Yes. You know, your joy, your ability to say, actually, I'm going to protect. Like when people say protect your peace, this is what we're talking about. If anything knocks you off center... Um, is it a disturbance in your life that you can get rid of, mm. or are you just resisting? Are, are you resisting something? Yeah. Are you clinging to something? Yeah. Why is it disturbing you? <laughs> it's just all data. Yeah. And then you can just realize that you can always come back. Always come back home.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's the whole fucking deal.
0: Agreed, and mm. it's so nice. <laughs> like I don't it really is. I don't even know how something, I survived. Something, my friend. <laughs> before
2: oh my god right <laughs> something my friend Vila bianca said she is uh, excuse me they are a um they're a atheist commentator and cultural writer and they host a couple of different things like uh 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 talk athe- I think it's talk here talk heretic or mm-hmm. and also sec- secular sexuality mm-hmm. i know is the one show that they host but anyways we were talking there they're ex-evangelical too and they said, like, the things I was told I had to wait for to get in heaven, I have now. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that is it. Everything I was told I had to wait for in heaven, I have now. Yeah. Peace, joy, relationships, kindness, goodness, ecstasy. Good food. A body that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah my goodness my god why wait yeah heaven is here baby yeah
0: yes 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 um amazing i could talk for Mm. hours about this stuff really truly
2: yeah we can (laughs) listen uh in the future like when queer camp comes around and it will come around just come on through we'll we'll just get on stage and we'll jaw with people for like an hour and just spitball so down so down yeah hell yeah
0: Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, If you could tell everyone where to find you, um, that would be great. And then also, um, I forget what book you recommended the first time you were on the podcast, but I'm going to make you recommend another. I know you did already talk about some books, but... It's cool now, yeah. too, because since we last talked, I started a book club for my mm-hmm. patrons and we always the books that we choose oh, cool. are always the recommendations, like choosing from, choosing from the recommendations from the guests. So that's been really like Love it. a cool closed loop. Yeah,
2: That's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, my name is Kevin Miguel Garcia. You can catch me at com. That's T-H-E com. Uh, I'm at the Kevin Garcia across all social media. My book is called Bad Theology Killed. Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Belief and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority. It's available at badtheologykills.com. I have a podcast called A Tiny Revolution, where I talk to everyone about everything, like very spiritual conversations like this. And I also have another podcast called Your Favorite Ants with my friend Rev Sarah Heath and we literally just get drunk on a podcast and talk about what's going on that we can answer questions from our friends. Sweet. Um, it's so much fun. Yeah. And, um, I've also got a couple of new offerings on my website. So come on through, check it out. Uh, I have a masterclass. I've got a couple of e-courses and, um, my book recommendation, Besides my own, because bitch got to pay her bills. My <laughs> book is called Bad Theology Kills. It's the best thing I've ever written, <laughs> and I'm really proud of it. That's so sweet. please, go pick it up and read it for yourself. And let me go back here. What do I have on my shelf? Oh. Um, I want to recommend two books. Okay. First one I want to recommend is I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown uh Austin is a black woman writer and she's talked about this book um this hit like no, New York Times bestseller uh it's been endorsed by Glennon Doyle and Lecrae and Jen Hatmaker and plus like um who's that stupid bitch um who does goop
0: oh her yeah name? Gwyneth Paltrow is that her yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: think Gwyneth Paltrow are one of them like it's a part of their book club it's It's all over the place And Austin's a friend of mine And I love This book is like Really really good Especially if you are A white person Trying to like Understand The plight of what White Excuse me But what black women Specifically have walked through Um And I want to recommend Wait a minute Oh I'm trying to pick now I know it's so
0: hard (laughs)
2: I will say oh, yeah we'll go here. This is something I've actually been reading a lot of Sister Outsider mm. essays by Audre Lorde. Um it has so many of her good speeches and essays in here including my favorite uses of the erotic
3: mm-hmm.
2: which is so good. It's also a Manchild like where is it uh all right, let me not let me not ruin it for anybody. Okay. Uh go <laughs> just get it. Get it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And then also if you're um into listening, I listen to Being Ramdas. Mm. It's read by his friend Rameshwar Das and it is such a delight and I cried a couple times during it because it was just so beautiful and I saw myself a lot in it. So awesome. you might love that, Being Ram Das. So you get four, you get four <laughs> recommendations from That's me.
0: It's so good. This is what I would do if I came on my own podcast. So I fully approve. <laughs> thank you kevin
2: <laughs> thank you i had so much fun i'm so glad we got to reconnect me too
0: hello again thank you for sticking around and listening to that episode i hope you enjoyed it please go and support kevin and their work uh tell them you found them on my podcast uh by their book all of the above such a cool person and i'm excited to see what is what they create in the future and what we might be able to create together i'm gonna play you out with crowded Table. Because, obviously, that's what has to happen. Um, I hope we all are sitting at a crowded table together in the future. That is my dream. I envision it, and I manifest that shit all the time. It's going to happen, and I hope you can manifest it with me. (laughs) Love you all, and talk to you next time.
3: Can be a mountain when you're feeling valley low. I can be.